0: Welcome to the Every Nation Taipei podcast. We're here to help you know God, discover your purpose, grow in your relationships, and make a difference in Taipei, Taiwan, and beyond. We hope this message encourages you today. Well, it's great to see you this morning. Um, We are excited to be in this series. New Wine, New Wine Skins, because that's really the theme uh, for this year for us as a church, New Wine and New Wine Skins. And uh, we're excited because New Wine just speaks of God's blessing in our lives and his power in our lives and how God wants to bring uh, just new blessings into our lives. So throughout the scriptures, when it talks about New Wine... It always connects it to that sense of, of blessing in, in people's lives. And, and wine is kind of like that. It's a celebratory thing, right? When you go to a wedding, they serve wine. When you go to a party, there's wine. When you graduate, there's, there, there's wine, unless it's like from high school. <laughs> then it's no wine uh, or should be no wine. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, wine is just one of those things. It's always kind of associated with celebration, And God wants our lives to be a place of celebration. If we have the king of the universe, the God who created all things, who has all power and all love, and he is living in our lives and and loves us and is for us, then our lives should be a celebration. Our lives should have a sense of joy. Our lives should have a sense of security. We should walk through life with this sense of everything's gonna be all right. Everything's going to work out okay. And even when things go bad, knowing that God is walking with us should give us a sense of security all through that. But how do we get more of this new wine into our lives? And so the, in this series last week, we, we, we talked about what new wine is. Um, but today we're going to talk about the process of how new wine comes into our lives and the purpose for new wine. So the process and the purpose because some people think that wine you know in the natural is just to get drunk they just want to you know blot out the pain and they want to drink until they can't remember they want to drink until they forget and and some people treat God the same way they just want God to kind of like be a drug in their life make them forget everything but actually God is to equip us he comes in to equip our lives so that not only do we live blessed but we live to be a blessing and so whereas wine in, in the natural, you get too much wine and it causes you to start losing touch with reality and it starts to, you start to lose control. Actually, when we get more of God and his new wine in our lives, we not only do we have that joy in our lives and that sense of peace in our lives, but then there's a sense also that God is in control and things are going to work out okay. And God always invites us when he's in control and we start to sense his control, he invites us to work alongside him. And so not only does God want to put new wine into our lives, but he wants us to also in our lives be a place where we produce new wine to be a blessing to others. And that's kind of the Christian life, is that all that we receive from God, all the goodness that comes our way. And as as Christians, we believe that every good thing comes from God in our lives. And the great thing about God is he doesn't only bless Christians. The Bible says that God makes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. Everybody has a taste of God's goodness so that we can recognize who God is and where he's at work. And so even if you're not a Christian, you still experience some of the goodness of God in your life. But as believers, as those who know Jesus and know the source of good, our goal is to help connect people to understand where the good in their life comes from. And so today as we go through this this, uh, message today, we're going to be understanding the, the process of how new wine comes into our lives and then the purpose of new wine to be a blessing to others. So would you bow your heads with me and let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are are so thankful, uh, Lord, that you desire to be good in our lives, that you love us, and your your design is to pour out blessing in our lives. And so today, we just invite your Holy Spirit to come to speak to our hearts. Lord, we open our hearts, and and for some of us, we don't even know what that means. Uh, But today, Lord, we just look to you, and we say, God, you, if, if you're there, you come and speak to our hearts let today be more than just hearing information let it be more than just a lecture or but lord let let your words your spirit speaking to our hearts uh, be transformative as your disciples said about you, you lord you speak the words of life somehow when we hear your voice our hearts come alive and today, Lord God, through the words and the time that we spend together, our prayer, Lord, is that spirit to spirit, you would speak to our hearts and that our hearts would come alive. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember um, about 20 years ago, a friend of mine got married in an, in Napa Valley uh, in, in California in the States. And uh, so it was... It was in the heat of the summer and uh, we're, we're all in our dressed up for the wedding, you know, in our suits and stuff. And, and, uh, and this, this uh, wedding was at this beautiful vineyard. And so the, the ceremony was outdoors, it was gorgeous, you're kind of on this hill, looking down, you're, you have the backdrop of the mansion there that, uh, for the, the, the vineyard, and you're looking out over all these fields, and there's flowers, and it's gorgeous, and we're just melting, it was so hot, we're just sweating, 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 hoping he will make this thing end soon, we're just dying. Um, and then, after the wedding, they, they, went to the, the, they had the reception, and the reception, you go down underneath, and there's this big old cave underneath where they used to hold all the wine but now they turned part of the the cave into this wedding reception room and you walk in and it's just it's stunning so beautiful and that day was such a, a great day of uh, of celebration such a transition from out in the heat into this cool tunnel uh and and uh, one of the it was really one of my favorite weddings that receptions that I've ever been to it's just so stunning so beautiful such a b- drastic change from inside to outside and um, and that's, that's kind of how, I, when I think about celebration, when I think about wine, I think about that wedding, and I think about how you know, they brought out all the, the wine from that um, vineyard there, and, and people were just, it was such a nice time, such a beautiful time together. And so that's kind of when I, when I think about new wine, that's the picture that I have, that God wants our lives to be like that. To come in from the heat, to experience the joy of his presence and to share together. There's something about wine as, as you drink. It begins to open up your hearts to share and to connect with people. Now, as a church, we don't believe in getting drunk, but uh, Jesus made wine for wedding parties, so we think it's okay uh, to have some wine at a wedding party. Uh, if you, you know, just caveat, if, if you're one who struggles with uh, alcohol, then... Um, you know, we we encourage you not to drink at all, you know, and so I have some folks in my family like that, and uh, both physically, like, okay, it's not so healthy for us, so, but anyway, simple message today, the process of new wine, and then the purpose, so the process of new wine, how do we get this new wine that God raves about into our lives, what's the process, and we're going to just follow the ancient process of how they used to make wine, and, and what is that, how does that relate to us and wine being made in our lives? The Bible says that oftentimes God speaks to us first in the natural, then the spiritual. John Wesley used to say, if anything is, is, is truth, is God's truth, I should be able to show it to you in scripture and in nature because God made both of them. And so the Bible says first the natural, then the spiritual. We can oftentimes see God's principles. We can see his purpose. We can see his personality or his character, his nature in nature. And so we're going to look at the process of wine, and then we'll see how that aligns with Scripture and God's processes in our lives. Because we always want to take it back to Scripture, because the Scripture gives us in black and white. Sometimes we look at nature, we don't really know exactly what God is saying through nature, but then the Scripture helps us to illuminate. It's the the light, the Bible says, and it shows us the message that God wants to give us, all right? So, number one, first of all, you got to get a grape, and it has to ripen. There's a beautiful grape on the vine. And in our lives, you know, we, we get the, the life of Christ we, we, the comes alive in us. The Bible talks about uh, becoming a, a follower of Christ or co- when we commit our lives to Christ and invite him into our lives as, uh, as our Lord and Savior, that we, our spirit inside comes alive. And so there's this, the, the grape vine, it, it, it's planted, and the seed uh, that, that sprouts up, and then uh, out of that comes life, and grapes start to form. So there's life that's there, and we're hanging on the vine. You know, it's beautiful. There's sunlight, and you know, the farmer takes care of it, pulls all the weeds out, uh, chases the birds away. And so we're just kind of loving life. Anybody in that season of life just kind of love? You feel like you're growing in God. You're just loving everything about being with God and being in that cluster with other Christians, and it's just life is good, and we're ripening on the vine. And that's a season of life, and that's a part of becoming a Christian. There's the Bible talks about the joy of our salvation. time when we first start to experience God and recognize, wow, actually God is alive. And God wants to, he loves me and he's in my life. And as we begin to recognize or become aware of that, God always loves us. He's always been alive. He's always been there. But you and I, so often we walk through life without a, an awareness, a conscious awareness of him. And as we become saved, the Bible says, as we commit our lives to Christ, our spirit comes alive and begins to connect with God's spirit. We become aware of him. We become aware of that, that light, that joy, that peace that only comes from him. And that's sort of the ripening part of, of our lives. Uh, and then we get picked and you get plucked off the vine. The, the Bible says this, that God chooses us. So, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So there's a sense of God choosing you. In each and every one of us, the Bible tells us that God has a specific plan for your life and he knows you individually. He knows you by name. He knows your life. He knows how you're created and what you're created for. God chooses us. When the Bible says that God loves us, it's not that God loves us like he loves you know, puppies or he likes you know, spaghetti or whatever it is that we like, you know, uh, beef noodle soup. Um, you know, when we talk about God loving us, what it means is that God chooses us, commits to loving us like a wedding day. Like saying, when we say, I do, when, when we go down on one knee and say, will you marry me? That's what I said to my wife. In a vineyard, marry me. <laughs> I sang her the marry me song. Uh, I don't know who, who sings that song. Train, there you go. And I couldn't remember the words, so my, her, little, her little nieces were trying to help me sing the song. It's kind of pathetic, but fun. <laughs> um, but anyway, back, back, to the, the, back to the message. When, when, when we talk about God loving us, it means that he has individually chosen you. And he said, I, I want to be in your life. I want you to be mine. I want to be yours. I want to be together through rich or poor, sick or or well. I want to be with you in the good times and the hard times. I want to walk with you every day of your life. I want to wake up with you every morning. That's what God says to us every day. That's his choice. The Bible says before we ever knew him, God already chose us. And every day he chooses us. And his love never changes. It's a steadfast Faithful love, that's God's love for us. That's what it means when God picks us and chooses us. But what it also means is that he pulls us from where we were and he starts to prepare us for where we're going. Sometimes that's not always as fun as hanging out on the vine in the sunshine and being taken care of. When God pulls us from the cluster, He's preparing us. And you may feel like there's that, there's a there, you may be in that moment where it's like the 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 engagement day choosing, oh giddy and so much fun. Or you might be in that day from like pulling me out of the cluster and throwing me, you know, in in, in the bag. I'm, I'm getting pulled out of my comfort zone. I'm being prepared for something new. And it may be uncomfortable. You may no longer be able to be around the folks you used to be for because God has something else for you. God may start to change your life circumstances. A new job, some new friends, some people that God is saying, No, I want you to go be in this circle of people and bring life there. Some of you today are in that place. You feel like you've been plucked, you've been picked, you've been pulled out. Life circumstances have come and changed everything. That's God's picking. The next thing is, then we get crushed. It's kind of going from <laughs> bad to worse. So the next thing that wine, that, that that grapes go through is they get crushed. You know, they 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 throw them in the big vat, and then like this is how they used to do it in, back when Jesus was living, and he's talking about new wine. Uh, they would just stomp on the grapes, and uh, and people still do it today because it feels fun for the feet. But I don't know if I'd want to drink that wine. <laughs> um, yeah. That's why it's a good thing that it gets alcohol in there. You know how, we, how now in COVID, we're all getting used to alcohol, right? Alcohol and everything, walk into a store, alcohol, why? Because it kills the germs. And so, you know, you put a lot of germs in when you stomp on it, and then as it ferments, it kills the germs. So that's good. Praise God. <laughs> so we can just enjoy, you know, and uh, anyway. So, so there's a crushing that happens in our lives. And all of us will go through those seasons of crushing in our lives because it's the crushing, it's the brokenness in our lives actually that begins to unleash what's inside of us. And sometimes that's good. There's a sweetness inside of us, but also there's some. sometimes there's some junk inside of us that comes out. But the truth is, if we don't get crushed, that junk has always been there. Those insecurities, those bits of anger and fear, those bits of shame and brokenness have always been inside of us, but as we begin to get crushed, sometimes it's circumstances in our lives that come into our life. We just begin to bring a crushing, a breaking of our spirit. We, disappointment so often brings a breaking into our spirit. Difficulty brings a crushing in, into us. But it's God, part of God's preparation for us. God's intention is that we would develop the fruit, what the Bible calls the fruit of the spirit, which is patience, love, kindness. And and these things are developed in the difficult times of our lives. And then who we really are starts to come out. And who God wants to change is not just your facade. God doesn't just want you to have a facade of being a good person who has their act together. God actually wants to change you from the inside out so that when tough times come, what comes out is fruit, sweetness, the goodness of God. As you allow the goodness of God to come inside of you, then when crushing comes, because in all of our lives, crushing will come. In all of our lives, storms will come. In all of our lives, difficulty will come. And what we want to do is prepare our hearts. What God wants to do in us through the crushing is to begin our, to prepare our hearts so that when those times come, goodness comes out. The scripture says this, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. And we talk about a broken spirit. It's not someone who's given up, who's lost who's lost all hope. A broken spirit is someone who their pride begins to get broken down. And their fight against God's goodness in their lives starts to get broken down. So what that crushing does is there's parts of us that that we don't want to submit to God. There's parts of us, of our pride, where we just want to do it my way. We want to be the Frank Sinatra, you know, did it my way, I'm gonna do it my way, I'm just gonna hold on, I'm gonna make this happen the way I want it to happen. And we go through life and we crush people around us and we bruise people around us and our lives are so kind of just wound, we're wound up all the time. Why? Because we're, we're trying so hard to make life go the way we want it to go. And there's something about being able to just submit ourselves to God, surrender to him and say, okay, God, what do you want to do through this crushing in my life? What do you want to do? Because God understands the plan and the purpose for your life in ways that you and I never could. And as we begin to to surrender our lives to Him, we start to find the joy that comes even in the tough times. If you do any kind of like uh, um, not extreme sports, like but like surfing or snowboarding or skiing or sports like that, um, there's a place or, or, or paragliding. There's a place where you have to be. You have to surrender to the forces that are at work. If you ever been out in the ocean. And, and you get stuck in a riptide or a strong current. One of the things they always teach you, you know, I grew up in Hawaii and so you're in the ocean all the time. And so early on they teach you, you know, you just, if, if you feel the strong current, you have to gauge the current. And if you can overcome that current, great, you, you can swim through it or against it. But if you can't, you need to just go with it and then gradually let that current begin to push you to, to where it's safe you got to look and say, okay, where's this current going? And is there somewhere where I can start to have that current bring me back to a safe place? Rather than fighting against the current. The people who drown are the people who fight against the current. And they expend all their energy trying to fight against the ocean. The the ocean's pretty strong. So, you know, so the Bible says it this way, count the cost. And so you got to count the cost. Am I stronger than the ocean or is the ocean stronger than me? If the ocean's stronger than me, then let's just go with it. Uh, all my, my, my brothers, I have four brothers, and all of them are, you know, they all have, they're all they're much more active than me. But anyway, a couple of them are like lifeguards. And so one of the things they teach you as, as a lifeguard is if someone's struggling against you, just let them, let them drown a little bit, you know, until they tire themselves out. Uh, and if you need to, uh, and you can't control them, and and they're, then knock them out, and then bring them in. Because... You, if, if they're going to fight you, you're both going to drown. And people who are in desperation, they get pretty strong. And so they say, don't even bother with them if they're, if they're trying to fight you. They have to just, sur-. and so if you're the one who's in trouble and a lifeguard comes to you, you, gotta, you have to learn to say, let's just let the lifeguard take me in. And you just surrender and submit. And see, that's, that's how God wants us to live with him. Recognize that he's the stronger power. And when stuff comes into our life, when when difficult comes in, the brokenness that God is looking for is this repentant heart. And all repentance means is turn from doing things my way and say, okay, God, how do you want me to do them? I no longer want to try to make my own way. I want to go your way. That's repentance. That's what a broken spirit does. It just says, okay, God, you're in charge. So we go through this crushing in our lives for that purpose. Another thing that crushing does in our lives is we start to, to in one sense, we start, start to, to lose our own little selfish self-centeredness. And we start to be able to blend in with others. So with wine, you can't find the individual grapes anymore. Once it's crushed and pressed in there, you, you, you know, where'd that grape go? And as a church, as a congregation, as a, as a people, God's intention is that not that we lose our individuality and the personality God's given us, but we lose that sense of independence that separates us from others, that self-centeredness that makes it all about me and what I want and what I want to do. And rather it becomes, I want to contribute to the whole. I want to bring my special gifts, not just to make me feel special and not just to make me stand out, but rather I want to bring my special gifts to add to. And see, that's what, that's what happens in the, the crushing and, the, and the, the pressing in making process in wine, is that we get crushed and, and we get then blended together. And wouldn't it be very good wine if it was just one grape at a time? <laughs> okay, I'm going to drink this grape, and I'm going to drink that grape. You know, it's just... But God brings us together because there's a beauty in us being formed together. And then we get fermented. And fermenting is just that process by which we are transformed from the inside out. And when God's spirit comes into us, that's what he wants to do, is he wants to transform us from the inside out. He wants to change who you actually are from the inside out. Where it's no longer you just working hard to try to change myself and be a better person. That's what we call dead religion. We try to be very religious and try to keep all the rules. Rather, God wants to change us from the inside out to where the things that we should do are actually the things that we want to do. Where it's no longer me, you know, we often use this illustration, it's no longer me, like, I I really want to hurt my wife and lie to her, but because I'm married to her, I'm just going to be good. And every morning I have to wake up and say, okay, Ten Commandments, don't kill her. Don't steal from her, you know, right? I mean, instead, I just love her so much. I don't even. I don't even think about the 10 commandments. I just am looking for ways to love her, to get up in the morning and say, hey, good morning, sunshine. You know, we're just, uh, you know, what can I get for you? How can we start the day? How much fun is that? Then it becomes a joy, the journey together, right? And that's God's intention in our lives, is that he changes us from the inside to where we want to. Love people, it just becomes a hassle. Oh, gotta be good today, you know. Gotta, gotta be nice to people. And gotta read my Bible. That was the way when growing up. I was like, oh my, my mom, when I was like, read your Bible. Oh, I don't want to read my Bible. <laughs> I will watch TV. I don't go play baseball, you know. But God changes our hearts from the inside out. That's fermentation. Once the juice ferments, it can't go back. Sometimes I wish, you know, get stuff in our refrigerator that's been fermented. I'm like, oh, man, I really like that thing. You know, I like that juice. listen, i not going back to juice again because we've been changed. And the Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so the more of God that we get into our lives, the more our lives become transformed to where we want to do the things that are pleasing to God. We don't worry about trying to keep the rules. Rather, we're in pursuit of God. And then there's this process called clarified, clarification, which we always think of, okay, make yourself plain. But what it really means is is clearing up the wine because in those days after you get crushed, there's all these little bits and pieces in it. And so they'd have to clear out whatever was remaining in in there, little bits of stems or skin or stuff that are in there in the wine. And so clarifying is because it's just not, the one one thing, it tastes really bad if you still have pieces of the skin and 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 wood in there. So you want to clarify, clarify the wine. And how they would do that in the old days? Like nowadays, they do it chemically in different ways, where they just put stuff in that take all the the junk out. But in the old days, when they, before that, they would just they would put the wine in these vessels, and then the junk would either float would would sink to the bottom, and then they'd pour the clear wine off into another vessel, and then some more junk would would sink and then they pour the clear wine into another vessel. And that's how they would clarify the wine. And so there's this is verse here, Jeremiah 48:11. It says, Moab has been at ease from his youth and has settled on his dregs. He has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into exile. So his taste remains in him, and his scent has not changed. In other words, he still has the junk inside of him. Rather than pouring the good off and leaving the junk behind, he just uh, let that junk stay in there. And, and here's... Um, News flash, even after you become a Christian and commit to following Christ, you still got some dregs in there. <laughs> I still got dregs in my life. I've been a Christian over 50 years now, and I still got dregs in my life. I still got some junk, and every once in a while, God has to like, sort of pour me off, that, you know, difficulties coming to my life, and, the, and there's a shifting that has to come so I can leave some junk behind. And what this shifting does, so often it, it exposes the junk that's in my life. And this is what the Bible calls, uh, theologians call sanctification, the process of sanctification. It happens after we commit to follow Christ because even though we've committed to follow Christ and we love Jesus and we want to be like him, there's still junk in our lives that bit by bit we clear out. How many are you still clearing junk out of your lives? Anybody out there? You know, <laughs> You know, I, I always, we used to sing this song uh, about being, you know, now I'm a Christian and, and everything changed, you know, so I, I came to Jesus and now I'm perfect. And I'm saying, no, I don't think so. You know? So in this process of new wine it's just ongoing, what we call sanctification or clearing up of our lives. And that's going to be a process for the rest of our lives, just continually removing the junk out of our lives. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside us every weight and the sin which so, clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. So we just have to, all the things that weigh us down, the things, the junk that doesn't need to be there, the sin that clings to us, it wants to stay in the wine, just got to keep cleaning that out. Lastly, it needs to be aged. Sometimes it just takes time for that ferment, fermentation process to complete. Romans 5 says in today's, if you're doing the, the discipleship, the daily reading, just reading these scriptures today and, and uh, this morning, it says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. So suffering comes into our lives because that produces this endurance and allows us to age and that aging produces character and hope inside us and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you'll continue to do God's will. Then you'll receive all that he has promised. And the purpose of this new wine is that new wine is being formed inside of us is to be poured out. Wine isn't meant to just be in the bottle. It's meant to be shared. And so our lives are meant to be shared. Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, you will receive power or new wine when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The purpose of God forming new wine, blessing in our lives, power in our lives, is so that we can then have an impact and be a blessing to others. Not just in our local circle. Not just in the church. But our neighbors. And then our distant neighbors. And then people we don't even know. We want to keep sharing the love of God and let that goodness begin to, to ripple out. And that's the point of new wine in our lives. Don't waste your suffering. Don't waste your sorrows. Let those, that suffering form new wine inside of you so that it becomes a blessing not only to you but then also to others. That's the point of new wine. That's the point of God's blessing in our lives. I'm going to invite the, um, the worship team to come on back up. We're gonna close with doing communion together. Because Jesus took the wine. And, he, and the last thing that Jesus shared with his disciples before his crucifixion was a cup of wine. And he said, This this wine is God's new covenant. So Matthew chapter 26 verse 26 as they were eating Jesus took bread and after blessing it broke it and gave it to his disciples and said take ye, this is my body and he took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink it all of you for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins so when we take of the cup the bread and the juice It's to remember what Jesus did for us. That His blood cleanses us from sin. The laying down of His life, His broken body on the cross brings healing to our lives. He says, "I I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So communion is a moment when we look back and we look forward because the day will come when we will enter into eternity with a massive party that Jesus is going to share with us where he's going to break out the wine and it's going to be a celebration. And so every time that we partake of communion, we remember what Jesus did on the cross for us. And we ask that God would cleanse and heal our broken lives. We also look forward to that future day when we'll celebrate because we live not just in the moment, we live for eternity to come. And that view of the future, of an eternity with God, is really what helps us then to live right here on earth. To live with eternity in mind. I'm just going to ask you all to stand. And we're going to partake in, uh, of communion, and then we're going to sing this that, that new wine song that we sang earlier um, in response. So take your community elements. Let's take out the bread. The Bible says that Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. And the scripture said that that, that broken body stripes on his back. Wounds inside were for our healing, and as as you partake of the bread today, there's there's a supernatural thing that God can begin to bring healing to you. If you need healing in your physical bodies, you can ask God for healing. If you need healing in a relationship, and especially in your relationship with God, then through Jesus' broken body, healing could come. If you have brokenness in your emotions brokenness in your your dreams or purpose in life, God can begin to bring restoration through His broken body on the cross. That's the beauty of the work of the cross. So Father, we thank you for Jesus. whose broken body on the cross brings healing to our souls. Brings healing to our relationships. Brings healing to our bodies. May you bless the bread as we partake. Jesus' we name. All partake together. Scripture says that in the same way Jesus took the cup. He said, This cup, this cup of wine is the new covenant. The promise of God's blessing. The promise that God would change us from the inside out. That's God's covenant signified by this cup that we drink together. So Jesus, we thank you for your blood shed for us. Your covenant that every time that we come to you in repentance and brokenness, that you'll forgive us of our sins and you'll cleanse us from our unrighteousness. So we come to you today and we say, Lord, search my heart and create a clean heart in me according to your promise, your covenant to us to give us new hearts, hearts that pursue you, hearts that know you. So bless the cup as we drink. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We pray this message spoke to you and built your faith. For more messages like this, visit our website at everynationtaipei.com You can also send a prayer request and reach out to us anytime. God bless you. Till next time.